he's talking? Yeah, I'm still here, and I'm not seeing. Anything oh yeah, I can hear through. you. I can still hear you. I'll just take the headphones off. Okay. That's so strange. Can you still hear me clearly, or is it getting feedback? Nope, it's great. It's perfect. All right. All right. Well, that was. Yeah, we got that going. I think we deserve ourselves a little bit of a. Uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is Darrell playing around with his new Rodecaster Pro microphone. The Creator Podcast oh, yeah. is back for season two after a long hiatus. And we'll probably get into a little bit of why that is. But uh, Darrell, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be back and looking forward to some great conversations and guests and, and seeing what people are up to. And this season, we're really going to focus on COVID creators, people who have not been overcome by the pandemic, but for one reason or another, have allowed their creative juices to, to flow, uh, to find new expression during this pandemic. And um, so how have, how have you found it as, as far as creating goes? I mean, we all have our own issues around family and school and work and all that stuff. But, uh, but from a creative perspective, how have you found this, uh, global panini? Uh, from a creative perspective, um, I found that my, my making has really turned into a, just another outlet. Um, but it's also been strangely helpful to people in the community, um, making projects that have been able to help people, um, during this difficult time. And your making being in the in the wood shop is kind of a solitary pursuit in the first place, right? I mean, it doesn't really change if you can't leave the house. And in fact, it just gives you more time uh, at the garage workshop. Yeah, it's, I've I've definitely had more time to be in the garage. But oddly enough, I found that I was spending less time in there. Interesting. Any any reasons you've identified for that? I think there's been a few reasons. One has been uh, being home so much, particularly in the early stages of the pandemic when the girls were home from school. I just found that it was nice to take advantage of having them around all the time. Um, so, so much of my time went to just, you know, really getting to know them deeper, um, spending more time with my family. And a lot of my projects really became needs based and, and not necessarily, you know, expressions of creativity, although that that came through. Uh, it, it was just a, a different type of need to be in there. And then later on in the year, I don't have a heated garage. So it was just way too cold. Got it. And they are at key ages in terms of being able to invest that time with them. Oh, yeah. Winter, winter just turned six. She's in kindergarten. Um, she's finishing up kindergarten, in fact. And uh, Zion is in is three years old now. And she's just like, an incredible little person who I have a hard time believing is only three. <laughs> well, I think the same could be said for her big sister at that same age. So it tracks. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, personally, I found creating very difficult at the beginning uh, of the pandemic and actually, you know, for quite a bit of the pandemic um, as somebody who normally has, some challenges around depression and anxiety. A global pandemic did not really work all that well for me. And being um, stuck at home trying to figure out, you know, 
what was going on. Uh, <laughs> we also had our oldest home because she came home for spring break right at the beginning mm-hmm. of the pandemic and then learned while she was home that she was not going back to Carnegie Mellon and was going to finish her semester remotely. So there were five of us in the house and all of us trying to navigate around each other and eat up all the Wi-Fi and everything else. Yeah, I, I found the the first six months of the pandemic to be quite a difficult time. And um, so for me, I, I didn't feel like I had the, the bandwidth to to be creating. It was all that I could do just to keep up with what I had to do at work, which was a you know sort of new creative endeavor to make sure that communications pieces were still going out, newsletters and things like that, when we were uh, all of a sudden never in the office. I already worked remotely, but you know, seeing the team only on Zoom, uh, you know, changes that process of of putting together what should be a, a simple, you know, four or five page newsletter all of a sudden becomes a lot more complicated when you're never face to face. So I didn't have a whole lot. Yeah, I, I can definitely I can definitely relate to that in, in the sense that I can remember early in the spring it was just like, okay, I'm going to be spending more time with my family. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. Uh, mid to late summer, I was like, all right, yeah, let's let's get in the garage. Let's let's get to, to building. Let's get to making. And I couldn't come up with a single design. It was like writer's block, but with images. <laughs> and I just, I couldn't come up with a single design uh, up until about school started, um, where I started to come up with a few things and be able to get them built and put together and out to people. But it, it was just this strange thing where it was like, you know, I couldn't settle on anything. It was it was pretty interesting. I was looking back as to when our last episode was, and, and it actually was pretty close to when all of this started, because I guess we still had some had some tape to use. Uh, and so I think it was like February 2020 or something was the last time we put out a, an episode of, of Creator. I just didn't feel like I was in the right, you know, mindset spiritually, creatively, anything to, um, and, and at that point it wasn't totally clear what, you know, people were, were creating during this pandemic. I know there were a lot of references to it, but, um, but it sort of took a while to catch up with what people actually were doing. I will say that every year I set a pretty lofty goal to complete 50 books in a year. Uh, I put it that way because I read virtually nothing, um, do a lot on audio. Uh, in 2020, I actually finished 80 books. Um, so I guess I was investing some of that time that I would have been wow. creating into um, just absorbing. Uh, and really, I think a lot of that yeah. was escapism. I, I wanted to be thinking about something else. And so I found a, a refuge in, in books for a good part of the pandemic. And, um, and I, I sort of said, all right, 2021, I won't, I won't hit 80, but I just looked up here at the end of the quarter and I'm, I'm on a pace to do 80 again, but I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that as the world opens up again, uh, my, my book pace will slow and real life will replace it. Yeah. I, I think I might be either catching up or slightly ahead of you in the book count. Um, if winter's readings from school that are mandatory count, you know, hey, I, I must have book. read. A book is a book, you know. It definitely is a book, and we read about six of them a day. So <laughs> you do the math. I'm I'm pretty up there. There you go. Uh, well, that's a that's a pretty good transition into the pulse. Shall we uh, Shall we go there? Definitely. 
This episode of the Creator Podcast brought to you by The Boxer and the Beard. Clever teas and gifts. Check us out on Facebook at Boxer Beard Co. That's at Boxer Beard Co. on Facebook. Let's take the pulse. What are you watching? Uh, I know pandemic watching. Um, Watch me! Jen actually discovered uh, binge viewing. She had, she had got it. watched the show before all this. Watch me! Um, she's discovered it. Uh, what are you watching? So, it, I'm so far behind on everything. I haven't even started the second season of The Mandalorian. Uh, <laughs> we've just been so active and getting uh, in, in other ways that I haven't really watched much TV. In fact, we just finished the uh, the final season, well, at least the most recent season, of American Gods. And just last night, we started WandaVision. So I'm, we're on episode three of WandaVision tonight. And uh, we'll catch up with that and then jump over to Mandalorian. Luke and I did uh, watch both both seasons of The Mandalorian. And um, I'm going to go backwards a little bit here to something I did watch during the pandemic, uh, which is Cobra Kai. Ironically oh. enough... Uh, some of the drive-ins near us did start to open, um, not right away in June. I feel like it was more like July 4th weekend on. And, you know, of course it it was kind of, that's sort of made for, um, experience for, for the environment we're in. And so we actually hit the drive-in quite frequently, but one night, uh, we saw the karate kid and then Kung Fu Panda. Uh, for the Karate Kid, there were a bunch of high school kids, probably like 20 high school guys in in four or five cars next to us. And watching that final scene of Karate Kid with a live cheering section at the drive-in <laughs> was a, a pretty awesome experience. Um, and then it naturally uh, led us into watching Cobra Kai. And I hadn't caught any of that when it was on YouTube, but now that it's on Netflix... We've caught up with it. I think it is absolutely remarkable how they have maintained the same, like, poor level of acting. Like, it is so <laughs> in the, the spirit of those original movies. It's it's just amazing. But, of course, you know, the script is kind of flipped, and, and Johnny's the person you cheer for more, and everybody now <laughs> hates Danielson because <laughs> he's kind of a jerk. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Luke and, I, Luke and I have watched that whole thing together and enjoyed it quite a bit. Have you caught any Cobra Kai? Not yet. I'm actually hoping that's see that's like one of the shows that I can watch by myself. So a lot of my slow paced TV viewing is that uh, Willow likes to watch stuff together. Right. Um, but because that's something that I know she won't be interested in, I can probably get slip that one in uh, on my own time. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Karate Kid's not the sort of touch cultural touch point for for you that it is for me. I mean, that that was like one of the huge movies of my childhood, but uh, I, I assume you are familiar with the brand. Oh, yeah, I've seen them all. I don't know that I ever saw any of the sequels, so we actually did go back and watch The Karate Kid too, because there's some uh, some stuff that interacts with characters from Karate Kid 2 mm-hmm. in the second season, I think, of Cobra Kai. So. Yeah, no, there's been... I know Willow's been catching up on a lot of different shows. Um, we, we caught a few free subscriptions for a bunch of things. Uh, I'm, I'm completely out of the loop. In fact, uh, a buddy wanted to tell me a joke that had something to do with the Mandalorian, and he's been holding on to it until I watch it because he's <laughs> firmly against spoilers. 
So I got to He's been holding on to this joke for coming up on a year now. So I'll have to get around to it. That that's a good friend, and there's no way the joke is going to pay off if he's been holding on to it. Absolutely long. not. <laughs> Absolutely now, not. I thought this was going to be horrible. I thought this question was just going to be the perfect setup for you to talk about the movie premiere that you went to last week. You know, it. I think that I've been spoiled with movies, uh, particularly at the theater. Um, we, we have our, our little group, the COVID Avengers. It's just uh, Winter's friends uh, from her class that she's known since we've come to Ohio. It's about four or five families. And we've kind of had our own little COVID bubble where our kids have continued to interact and been able to do things together, celebrate birthdays, um, get together and do different things. And we've been renting out the theater, like rotating families who rent the theater out fairly regularly. <laughs> and so Kong versus uh, Godzilla was just uh, the next progression in that. And, and in fact, only the parents went and we, it, we got all, we all had a babysitter. Uh, but it was awesome. I, I When I say it was awesome, I think the movie itself was good. But the movie theater was awesome because while I thought the movie was good, I don't think I would have enjoyed it if I watched it at home. It, it, it was kind of a needs to be on the big screen, room shaking, extremely loud, overly buttery popcorn. You know, it, it, it had to be the full experience for you to really enjoy the movie. I think it's that's actually one of the things you're going to miss when this is all over is that opportunity to rent out a movie theater because it's not that expensive near us. It's like two hundred bucks, and you can have up to. And 10 it's even less in. here in Ohio. <laughs> so we. I said to Willow, I said, "Why have we been going to movies with with people we don't know?" <laughs> I just don't know if the theaters. Uh, I don't think they give up that extra revenue. Um, you know, when when life is normal. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see if, if a lot of these streaming services keep doing direct-to-home and how that impacts the theater and, and their uh, decision-making around that. True. Listen, Scott. Just listen to me. You listen to me. Listen, I got to go do this report. Listen, listen. At ease. Listen up. Just listen up, man. Listen, I'm sorry. Listen to me. Listen to that. Yeah, listen, Walter. So you listen to me and you listen well. Uh, what are you listening to these days? I am listening to all sorts of things. Uh, uh, last night was the versus between Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Isley Brothers. So I've, I've been heavy into that type of um, old school R&B these last few days as I prepared myself to ingest four hours of great grandpa pause singing the hits uh so that that's been good um also just like a lot of high energy music i wouldn't say anything in particular um i use title as my music streaming uh source and so I, I really enjoy their playlists and pretty much anything that comes up um i've been really enjoying um Raspity as a female hip-hop artist that's been good uh these new bruno mars and anderson pact i've been enjoying that um yeah all sorts of music well, I put together my uh, worship playlist. I started to put together my worship playlist for 2021 every year. Generally in the summertime, I'll try to put together a playlist for worship sets in the fall and throughout the year. Certainly have not been doing that uh, of late, um, as we have, the Forster family, has been in live worship only twice since this all started, but uh, hopeful that the fall will bring the opportunity to be back in in-person worship. So uh, a couple of the songs that really sort of stuck out to me are Christian Stanfill songs with passion, uh, follow you anywhere, and there's nothing that our God can't do. So um, I like to 
you know, just throw that playlist on, you know, and uh, listen to it for a long time before we actually introduce those songs to the congregation. I don't think I only have two or three songs on there right now, but two of them are Christian Stanfield Passion songs. So I've been enjoying those. Uh, I've what, been listening to uh, some KB, uh, Christian hip-hop artists, uh, some more, you know, Lecrae's new stuff has been good. Um and and then my go-to for when I need to get that extra motivation to get a good pump in the gym, uh, Les Miserables soundtrack always comes in clutch. I am Jean Valjean. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> so I'm actually hoping to start this book tomorrow. Um, it's called More Than a Number uh, by Michael LeBourne. And I could be saying his last name wrong, uh, but it, it's about this idea around natural church development, um, the impact of stats on worship, and and what it truly means to fellowship. So Willow just finished it, and she's been raving about it, so I really want to pick it up. That's good. I went back through what I have read so far this year, and um, I would say one of the standouts is Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, uh, Emmanuel Acho. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've caught any of his YouTube shows. Yeah, I've I've caught a few of them. Uh, is that that's the one with Brandon Marshall and Ocho Cinco pops in every now and then? I, I think so. I have not actually watched any of the any of the YouTube stuff, but this is all very of the time because he he started um, these conversations. I think following George Floyd, and then the the audio book was already out in time for me to have finished it already. So it, it's you know it's it's very much of the minute, and um, and inspired by those those conversations and he actually got into sort of how that whole thing started in the first place and 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 the journey that it was to get to that you know very provocative title he does a great job with uh, i would say cultural interpretation for white people who are good intentioned um you know that's yeah. that's really the goal is um you know i uh I don't necessarily think it's for a, a woke audience. It's for an audience that wants to be woke. Um, so gotcha. Yeah, but it's good. I have to check it out. I know I've, I've picked up bits and pieces of it. Yeah, here I mean, and there, it's but, not for you, but, uh, you know, this, this is, uh, this podcast is comfortable conversations with a black man. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that could be our new subtitle. I gotta, I gotta go ahead and trademark that title. <laughs> Uh, so what is God saying to you right now? You know, it, it's been heavy doses of, and I know I've said this before, but around intentionality. Um, one of the projects that I worked on this past uh, fall, um, when we realized the need um, in our community with kids going virtual, uh, we just started doing some, you know, how we can engage with the community in meaningful ways. And and I really felt that, that the Lord was telling me, you got to be able to, you know, use the tools that you have. And uh, I took that practically and literally, and we were able to make desk for children in the neighborhood who didn't have a dedicated workspace um, in the home. And I just feel like he's been really hitting that button saying, you know, we it's, it's not always lofty. 
that that's effective. It can be something deeply personal and practical um, that can show people Jesus. And, and I think that that's been the repeated message that I've been receiving lately. Well, and that really is an extraordinarily practical need. Um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't in close enough proximity to, to get a desk for Luke. So I went and um, stood in an insanely long line at Ikea uh, <laughs> and uh I, I can't remember. I think I went one day and bailed because the line, it, it was literally going to be two hours just to get in the door. And this was like probably July and people yeah. were looking forward to the, you know, to the new school year and knowing that their kids at that point, we all kind of knew that our kids were not going to be in school in the, in the fall. And so there was just this, this crazy line. And so I, I had to go back another time and, you know, get there earlier, um, and, and put the time in, but, but literally I got there 45 minutes to an hour before the store opened and there was already a line there. Um, so yeah, that, that, I mean, for a while you couldn't even get a desk. They they just, they were not available. So making that available to, to families who were already struggling where there, there already was that need. Um, that's a, that's an intensely practical way of, of showing Christ's love as, as you said. Yeah. And and interestingly enough, when I went through that drought of not being able to think of anything to make, that was the first thing that came to my mind. And right after that, it's like the floodgates. Now I just got to pick and choose what I have time for. And uh, I think that that was I think that that was purposeful, Um, you know, really, really telling and sharing and encouraging me to be more intentional about spending my time in that garage because it's an opportunity for ministry, not just an opportunity uh, to get away from it. And and you finally got to minister to um, to our friend Josh and got him his cutting board that he wanted for so long. <laughs> yeah, that that guy. He's. <laughs> I'm glad he liked it. I would say what uh, God is saying to me is, uh, come home. Um, which sounds pretty odd after a year of stay home, but um, I would say that you know part of the part of the dark time that I had for the first six months of the of the pandemic was as um, as I think many people you know have have typically done in situations like this is that I I didn't turn towards him for the help that I needed um, and my spiritual life was really dry. And, uh, and, and so then that becomes this awful cycle where you're not feeling great and you are not doing the things to get yourself back spiritually where you need to be. And so then that causes you to feel less great. And so I feel like it's been, um, just sort of a, uh, you know, a call to come home and, and that's not about get back into the sanctuary to worship because uh, we we just did it on Easter Sunday and we worshiped at a local Salvation Army Corps and worship was held in the gym and it didn't feel at all normal. In fact, you know, sometimes I think when we try to do these normal things or something that approaches normal, it's just a reminder of how not normal life still remains. Yeah. Um, but really it's about coming home in in true relationship and, you know, engaging, um, with the father one-on-one. Um, and you know, cause group worship, uh, church as we know it is still going to be weird for 
um, for for some time here. Are are you back to in person worship at, uh, at at your core? Yeah, we're back to in person worship. Still socially distanced, um, of course, just so we can continue to maintain uh, the, the safety protocols that we put in place. We've actually been back in person for quite some time now. Um, but we were still doing the live stream because many of our congregation just weren't comfortable coming out yet. And we wanted to honor and respect that. Um, but we've been back in person, uh, for quite some time now and it's been good. This past Sunday was phenomenal. I would say easily the best Sunday we've had in months. Um, and I, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And, um, we've gotten so much good feedback from the community and core members concerning it. So yeah, we're back in person. It's been good. And uh, to even even practice with the worship band has been a blessing. Well, we, you know, having the opportunity to choose which stream we're gonna we're gonna opt for on a Sunday morning, we have enjoyed being able to worship with Riley while she's in Pittsburgh because her congregation is doing a live stream there, and she's part of the worship band there, and so, um, you know, we get to uh, get to know that congregation at, at the Steel Valley core of the Salvation Army a little bit, but uh, also get to get to see her when she's so far away. So, um, yeah, you know, that's been a that's been a neat opportunity. And uh, and what are you creating right now? I've been um, with my neighbors in mind. We've been making a bunch of raised planter boxes and we started we did a how to video on Twitch because because I'm not popular enough on YouTube to live stream from there. <laughs> so we went over to Twitch and we did a how-to video on how to make these raised planters and garden beds. Uh, just trying to encourage people to, you know, that, hey, you don't need the thousands of dollars worth of tools to make these things. Each of them can actually be built for about, you know, 20 bucks. And uh, if you play your cards right, maybe for 35 bucks, that includes the tools you need to make them. Uh, so I've been making planter boxes for my neighbors. Um, it started out as something I thought, oh, yeah, I'll make a couple of them, maybe four or five. Uh, 75 planter boxes oh later, um, we're, we're still making them. I actually made five today, so we'll see how that goes. And how did the Twitch go? The Twitch went really well. I found uh, I learned, I'm learning a lot about myself um, during this time as I try to find new ways to express creativity and also encourage my daughters to try new things. Um, so it, it went well. We had a good amount of views, you know, from what other experienced Twitch users have told me. They said uh, the numbers that I experienced are, are very good uh, for somebody's first stream, particularly on a site that's more known for gaming to be showing people how to build things. So it, it went well. Um, I learned a lot about what to do better for the next one. Uh, so that that's exciting. And I think I'm going to continue to give it another shot and see how regular and consistent it can be. Uh, it can be for me. Live edge gaming chairs. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so I, uh, frittered away uh, a year of being stuck at home without really creating a whole lot. Um, but then about, I guess it was about a month ago, I started to um, dig into a book project that I have had on my mind for a while. Um, I'm not going to get into specifics because it's a book that will likely never be published, but um, it's been 
kind of fun to actually figure out what it takes. I, I had no idea what the word count was on a book. I'm used to, you know, work projects where it's like, okay, yeah. you know, I need 500 words on this topic. Okay, it's a press release, so that's going to be, you know, uh, four paragraphs and a quote, probably 400 to 500 words. Um, but then when you get into, you know, the book world, uh, 90,000 is kind of the, um, the benchmark that, that, you know, some, some genres it's longer, some genres it's shorter, but 90,000 is a pretty good <laughs> landing point, um, you know, regardless of what you want to write. So I have a, a friend in town who is a writer and, you know, she's kind of helped me a little bit with structure, how long the chapters should be and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm proud to say I'm 10% of the way there to that 90,000 word goal after writing on the weekends. I I have just uh lit a fire in the fire pit and taken my laptop outside and and sat out there in the warm weather sometimes until it is no longer warm and I'm, you know, trying to stack the fire ever higher just to stay stay out there longer, but it's been uh that's been a a good outlet and um and yeah, to get over, over 9,000 words this quickly was pretty fun. And, um, so I'm going to keep going with it and see where it takes me. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I've, I've tried my hand, um, recently at script writing and I've uh, been working with, uh, Chris Stoker, getting some tips and advice in that area. Um, as I continue to try to get these videos out for, for, uh, YouTube and Twitch and things like that, trying to be, creative uh and not lose myself in the attempt at trying to be unique <laughs> but i look forward to your audiobook <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know that would be the move now Every, uh, all these authors are reading their own stuff so and i, I enjoy it when the author That's reads right. it actually because you get their inflection and stuff like that in a way that um you know that that you can't always get from you know from another voice actor doing it Right. Well, we uh, are looking forward to uh, a great season two here, talking to COVID creators. And uh, our next two episodes are going to be with uh, a, a dynamic couple uh, about uh, Late Night with Los Concha, uh, Felipe and Annabelle uh, Concha, and their Facebook Live show. So looking forward to, uh, to those conversations with them. And, um, and a surprise guest, a uh, little tease there. But uh, we have some other great people lined up and excited to get a second season of Creator underway. I wasn't sure whether we were going to do seasons with this thing, but given the fact that we took over a year break, it seems like season two makes more <laughs> sense than just, hey, we're back. So... Um, yeah, it, so was, we it, are was gonna... pretty, it was a pretty extensive break. <laughs> That's right. Um <laughs> But uh, focusing on those COVID creators and, and the whys and hows and wherefores of what got them into whatever that creative pursuit was, um, whether it was a, a furthering of something they'd already done or something kind of entirely new. So excited to have these conversations even as we start to emerge from this 13-month uh, period unlike any other in our lifetime and hopefully never to be repeated. Amen. All right. I think that's an episode in the books. And here's the outro. Yeah.